Hello everyone, you are listening to the Igbo Initiative podcast with Ugochi Onyewu. Welcome to the show. Hello everyone, welcome to the Igbo Initiative podcast where we celebrate Igbo culture by speaking to amazing women in different walks of life who are either Igbo or have a very close tie to the Igbo culture. Today, we speak with another phenomenal Igbo woman, Destiny Chioma Ihukumere. Chioma was born in Uzoakoli, Imo State, Nigeria, in 1970. She grew up in neighboring Abba. She knew from a young age that she was called to help the poor, and that she would go into full-time ministry. Choma has such a passion for the less fortunate that she often sacrifices her own personal needs to help people in distress. She has an amazing story. She lost her husband and son in the space of a few months and was left all alone to raise two children. Today, she is the founder of Life Builders Africa Mission. Life Builders Africa Mission is a ministry with many arms. A school, a farm, a widow's ministry, azalea, girl-to-woman ministry, white oak, boy-to-men initiative, community care. Additionally, there are plans for a clinic to serve the community. On today's show, we talk about what God can do with a life dedicated to him. We also discuss the need in the world and how no amount of time or resources is too little to make an impact. Good morning, Chama. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so <laughs> glad that you invited me. <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm very excited. Uh, just for the audience, this is uh, an area that's a big passion of mine. So I'm so excited mm. to talk to Choma today. We have a lot to cover and I'm really excited for what we'll share with you today. So Choma, I want to start by having you talk a little bit about how you started in ministry. How old were you and how did you know that you would go into full-time ministry? Okay. Um, as a young girl, someone sees me that I will one day be a pastor's wife. And I didn't like that. It didn't go down well with me. I didn't put my mind to it. (laughs) But as a 13-year-old in 1983, my father had guests, and he took us to the Uzakoli Modelers Baby's Home, owned by the Methodist Church. I saw this set of twins, James and John, about three months old at that orphanage. Their mother had died. Mm. Why give him birth to them? And their poor farmer father was unable to care for them. Mm. And he gave them to that orphanage. Immediately I saw them, I began to cry. There in my heart, I resolved that when I grow up, I will build an orphanage to care for orphans so they will not suffer. Mm. I quickly bought a pamphlet. I still have it, you know, said Naira. After 35 years, I've moved from city to city, but I kept the pamphlet that one day, I must have an orphanage. But then I didn't start um, a ministry, but not until 1990, a month to my 20th um, birthday, I was a student, first year student at the University of Calabar in Cross River State. Mm-hmm. 
state here in Nigeria. God spoke to me. It was a revelation. He just spoke to me. He showed me a little boy of about 13, 14. That boy needed my help, you know, and I wanted to run away. And I heard God say to me, stop there. Hmm. Go to him and help him. And I stopped in my track in that revelation. He asked me to put my hands on the boy, and I did. And the boy was um, immediately was okay. And hmm. he said that that's one of the reasons he called me, to bring them to him. The way he said, he said, I want them also in my kingdom. Hmm. And that was, I immediately began to pray for direction. I was just um, getting to 20 years began to pray for direction, and I started receiving some training. I got uh, um, a, a, a registered with a Children Evangelism Training Institute in Bauchi, hmm. you know. And in 1991, I started my first teenagers, a weekly teaching just for about 30 minutes. I would gather the children I, I was teaching in Sunday school, gather them on Saturdays by 4 p.m. Hmm. And... It went on till I graduated from the university, and here I am today with Life Builders Africa Missions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you, that's, that's really interesting. You've come a long way from that day, right? There's a lot that has happened, which we'll, we'll talk through. But I want to step mm. back a little bit. I know that between then and now, you got married and you had children. Mm-hmm. I also know that mm-hmm. your husband died at some point. So I'd like you just to take mm-hmm. us through that personal journey, what it was like raising two children by yourself. Okay. Um, in 1994, I got married to the late Reverend Dr. Moses Chukokobara. He died in 1999 while on a missions trip mm. outside of Nigeria. And um, we had two boys. And I was pregnant with our third child. Hmm. Um, at some point, the second boy died, you know, a hmm. few months after him. And I was left with a five-year-old boy and a one-month-old baby. Wow. Um, and I must say it was a very, 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 very difficult time. I was plunged into emotional, spiritual financial and social darkness. Wow. Um, yeah. And I was pastoring um, a church with him. So, and um, I was, immediately he died. The members gathered and threw me out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, <laughs> yeah. And I walked away because God told me to walk away, you know, and, and I just walked away. And um, I, I would say that it, it was not easy all I had in my world was 500 naira in my first bank account. Wow. That's all I had. Let me stop you right there. <laughs> Just for the audience, 500 naira to, in today's currency is like maybe, it's not even up to $2. So no, not up really to $2. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I had uh, this baby, baby girl, and then the boy. And I, I didn't know what to do uh, initially, but, you know, I cried some, prayed some. Everybody ran away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Friends, family, everybody ran away. You know, um, all I had was myself and the children. But I must say, um, you know, August 17th, 19 years of his passing. Mm. And 
have grown from that um, woman that had five-year-old, one-month-old, without knowing what to do, to um, a minister of the gospel looking after 103 children mm. <laughs> in a village. And those two kids, one, the boy is 22 now, graduating mm. next week from the university. Wow. The girl is in her final year. She's 19. Wow. He's been God all the way. Yes. He's been God all the way. He, yes. he, he came through for me, raised me help from here and there, mm. put me on track again to continue the work. He insisted. In fact, let me say this for those of you listening to me. It, it was not rosy at all. When he died, I, I, I told God, don't speak to me, don't talk to me, don't send me, mm. don't give me any revelation. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Mm. And one day, I, after many months, I found that my life was incomplete. Mm. I was still going to church, but I didn't want to hear ministry because I was like, how can this happen? Hmm. Then one day I, I ran back to God and said, okay, I'm going to continue what you asked me to do, even though I don't know how to continue. Hmm. And here I am. Hmm. And here I am. Wow. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> that is... <laughs> That is awesome. That is awesome. So here you are today. I'd like you to tell us um, a little bit about the ministry. So I'm very familiar with the school in Bende, but I know there are other areas mm. as well that you look after. I know there's the widows program. Mm. Just talk to us about the different areas of ministry. Okay. Um, the, the ministry is Life Builders Africa Mission. Mm-hmm. And it's our focus is God's word, teaching people God's word, educating children and young people, normal government-approved education, and then care for the poor mm-hmm. and the needy. And within education, we also have training and development because we believe that the poor, they don't just need food and mm-hmm. clothes. You have mm-hmm. to empower them to come up yes. to who God wants them to be. Yes. Now, the ministry, like you know, has the school arm, which... Um, has 103 children now enrolled. Mm. And then under the school, again, we have the rural literacy program. Many children in that village, ages 4 to even 20, they can't read. Mm. At 10, some of them cannot identify the alphabet. Mm. So we started a free um, rural literacy that we do in, within the year so that we teach them. That's an arm of the ministry. Then we have the child care arm that takes care of um, care of children, you know, their food, their clothes, teaching them. Under that, we have the Bible club that holds um, every Saturday. And we have in attendance about 170 to 180 children every week, mm. you know. Mm. Mm. Then we have we have um, the children's home that we are um, hoping to take in children soon. The government, they, they are, we're waiting for them to and validate us mm-hmm. so that we can take in children. That's the life that's um, home for children. Mm-hmm. And it's for orphans and vulnerable children. Mm-hmm. And for the audience listening, we, are, we, we do not get involved in adoption. Any child that is brought to us will keep the child, put the child through school. Mm-hmm. Then the child will learn a skill. When he or she becomes an adult, the child goes to where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Then we have... Um, the women arm, we take care of widows. At the moment, we have over 300 widows. Mm. Um, we give them soft loan. We minister God's word to them, and we give them food, you know, 
We take care of their hospital bills, take them to hospital and the rest of them. We also care for their children. Mm. Some of them, uh, their children are not in our school, wherever they are, when we, we pay school fees for some of them. At some point, we pay school fees for over 30 children at a time, you know? Mm. So we have this, this scholarship arm. Then we have um, another arm that takes care of pregnant teenage girls to uh, in order to take care of this child trafficking, teenage pregnancy, yeah. and the rest, yeah. which at the moment, at the moment, according to NAPTI, the, the agency, government agency that is in charge of uh, uh, child trafficking, at the moment, Abia State, where we are located, is the highest in Nigeria that, wow. that has cases of child trafficking. Wow. So we, we, we have that. We've not set up some of these places at the moment. But we're getting that. But we still do our work. So then when um, something like that comes or people call us, we step in. And then, you know, till we have a place of our own. We also have um, other, um, we're looking at the Life Builders uh, Clinic so that we can provide quality health care. Mm. So that's just to, to mention a few. <laughs> yeah. Of, <laughs> wow, <laughs> That's, it's a lot. It's a lot. So I want to break it down a little bit because, yeah, there is a. It's a huge ministry. There's so many areas, but this is a this is a ministry that really is critical in our time. You mentioned something. You said that you don't yes. just believe in giving the poor food and money, but empowering them to look after themselves. So it's like teaching them mm-hmm. to fish rather than giving them the fish. I I think that's an important point to note. I also want you just to follow on. You talked about the soft loans that you provide to the widows. Can you talk a little bit about the widows microfinance program? Because it still feeds into this teaching the the people to fish rather than just dishing out money. So talk a little bit about how you give them soft loans and what is expected of them. Just talk about that. Okay. Um, Let me start with one that um, is a success story. This lady, um, the husband died, and I, I, she came for one of our programs a few years back. I asked her, what can we do for you? She sells vegetables. She said if we could give her 20,000 naira, you know, mm-hmm. that she could, you know, she had children to take care of. Mm-hmm. So we gave her 20,000 naira. And as I speak... Through the selling of the vegetables, that 20,000 naira um, we empowered her with. She was able to put her daughter through the university. Mm. And the daughter now has a job and is married. Mm. Now, Life Builders has the institute, the institute which we are going to inaugurate sometime in December officially, but we've been doing things. We, we, we want to now, um, through uh, the microfinance program that we're doing, we train them for three, uh, three months mm. in, in fishery, poultry, and the rest. Mm. And then we help them source for funds. As against our first practice of giving them 20,000 soft loans, and it's revolving, like we bring out 200,000, bring out 10 women, give each of them 20,000 as mm. they do business, they are returning the 20,000, mm. 1, 1,000 okay. naira so that we can give to another woman. Okay, yet. I see. Yeah, so you don't just mm. give it to yeah. them, it's a loan. No, mm-hmm. no, it's a loan. Mm-hmm. It's a loan. Oh, initially, we were giving it to them, 
But now we want to make sure that they do it, return it. Another person, they can also come back and take it. Yes. That's a way of, but we don't want them to know that at some point we'll leave the 20,000 for them. Mm, we, yeah. We, yeah, that's good. We want them to trade and trade and trade. At some point, we, when we see that they are established, because if you don't let them know that they will return, they will use it for something else. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And it's true. working for us. The first 10 women we did it with, they returned the 200,000. Each of them returned 20,000. So it's working for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But amazing. now, yeah, but now for uh, we're trying to help them, apart from individual funding, we're trying to help them assess government funds. And um, the government said they have to go through our training for three months. We give them certificates mm-hmm. and do a business proposal for them and forward their names. So that training will start by December. Mm-hmm. Okay. As many as, many as yeah, and we have our lecturers and everything on that so they can assess microfinance funding maybe sometime between uh, March and April next year. And that one is going to be big. They can assess up to 200, 500,000, depending on what they want to do. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. But in, in, yeah, but in the interim, because of they don't have the capacity and the rest, we will still be giving them the 20,000, 20, which they will be returning to us. Okay. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So you know, I, I want to take us back to the first time we met in Abuja. We we actually you knew me from school because we went to the same boarding school in Nigeria. But I yes. I don't remember you, but I remember <laughs> yeah. connecting with you on Facebook. And I, I had visited Nigeria with my husband, and I remember the first time we officially met that I can remember. Yeah. yeah. There was a story yeah. you told me, and that was what inspired me to get involved in the ministry. You talked about. And I don't know if you remember this, but I'd like you, if you do remember, to mm-hmm. share with the audience. You talked about how a story about, I guess it was a lady that had had children and was really poor. You'd gone to the hospital where she gave birth and she was on the floor or something. And you had to rally mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. church to get provisions. And mm-hmm. you talked about mm-hmm. that. And as mm-hmm. you were talking, you said something. You said, my ministry is such that the extremely poor can become mm-hmm. less poor. The poor can mm-hmm. become okay. The okay can become mm-hmm. affluent. There was, there were, I don't remember the exact mm-hmm. words, but there was a progression, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. were talking, I just felt this inspiration to act. I don't know if you remember those words. Maybe you can share them if you do. Yeah, um, you, you got them. You got the words. Mm-hmm. The, the, the poor can become less poor. The other one that is a bit okay can move from where he or she is to um, an, a higher level. And the one that seems to be much more okay can get to a place where he himself can extend his hands to the other poor people. Mm-hmm. I remember the story I told you. It's actually a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Had, a, had three children, triplets, and they couldn't pay, and they were outside the Gwagwalada specialist hospital. Somebody called me on phone and said, somebody gave my number that they should call me that I'll be able to help. Mm. That's how I drove to Gwagwalada specialist hospital and um, everything was settled and I took them home. Mm. And my heart was broken because the man was so poor that he couldn't pay the bills and they they actually... um, they seized them. They couldn't go, but they, they refused for them to still be on the bed. Mm. 
And they were on the floor when I got there. The three children and the woman, they were on the floor outside the hospital room, but oh, wow. within the hospital premises. Wow. Yeah. And I, I know one thing. I know one thing. I believe that God made everybody with something. If you are poor, sometimes it's not because they are lazy, but nobody has guided and given them the required support. Mm-hmm. So talking about the, the extremely poor person, being able to care for his or her needs and responsibilities. And that's why we are looking at that Life Builders Institute. We train them in the skills, but more than that, we empower their minds, mm. both with God's word and with what can be. Mm. We show them what others are doing. We bring out who they are from within them. So they go from people that always want you to give them rice and beans to people that will tell them, show me how to plant the rice and mm. the beans. Mm. Mm. That's, that's amazing. That's where we're going. Yeah. That's where we're going with the Institute. Mm. 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 That's amazing. I, I am not against giving the poor food. I, we give them food on a daily basis, as much as we have. Mm. We don't look. But when, when I give you food and you've rested, I will now want to find out what can you do. Mm-hmm. We want to give you a platform to do what you can do. So if I'm asking people to fund you, it's actually because I know that you can do this. But you, you don't have the ability to get the funds you need, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we help you access the funds and we ask you to return the funds because we believe you will make profit from what you are doing to set up your own capital base. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. We know that. Yeah. That makes sense. So, okay, so let's come back to the school in Bende. Talk to me okay. about the school. How do you, how does the school survive? Where do you get the funds to, to continue <laughs> the operation of the school? Talk to me about the school. Tell me about the school. <laughs> okay. The, the school, at this stage, we are, we are just a nursery and primary school. Okay. And we started in January 2017. When during our weekly Bible club, I discovered that many of the children, at least um, 80% of them between ages 4 and 14, could not read or write, mm. even though they were uh, attending one school or the other within that place. Even those that attend school in Omaha, where I am, they can't read or write. Mm. So I started with rural literacy, you know, that year. That was towards December. Mm-hmm. We didn't have what to use and start, but I was so burdened that by January, they will go back to a school they have stayed four years in, some of them government school, with zero value added mm-hmm. in their education. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, um, we picked 10 of them, 10 of them from the poorest of the poor who could not identify alphabets at age 10, you know, and we started the school in January 2017. 10 of them were on scholarship, you know. Of course, mm-hmm. some of them are yours. You know, <laughs> so we 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 put we looked at everything we needed to do for them and saw that a twenty thousand naira tuition for a term, which is sixty thousand naira for a year, can give us the quality of education that I needed. Mm-hmm. So we got um, two coppers, one teacher, and we and we started. And talking about how the school survived. 
those terms were purely on scholarship. They didn't have to bring anything. Mm -hmm. But when parents saw the change in some of those children, they started clamoring to come to our school. Mm -hmm. So, but no parents in that school, can, in that village, can pay 60,000 naira. So all the children are on scholarship, but it depends on percentage. Right. So out of the 60,000, yeah, 20,000 at 10, they are paying 9,000, some are paying 4,500 naira, which is about 15%. Some are paying 7.5%. Then what we do is to look for sponsors for the children. We just trust God. At the moment, we have um, about, I think we have more than 13 of them who are on full scholarship. Mm -hmm. About 13 or so who are on full scholarship. Then the rest of the 90, they don't have sponsors yet, so we're hoping that somebody might take one or two or three out of the children. Mm. So we, for us to um, pay our teachers well, buy the things we need, set that school the way it should be. When people go to our website, they will see, even our tables, they will be surprised that the school is inside the village. Yes. yes. We, we want each child to have a sponsor. Mm -hmm. So that even when their parents, we want the parents to commit. That's why we're taking that 15% from them mm -hmm. because we know. But there are some of them we know that if you carry them up and throw them down, they can't give you 1%. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we place them on, on full scholarship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I we to... depend on sponsors. Yes, and I want to interject here. Obviously, you know, we visited um, in June, the whole family, my husband and the children, we yes. spent some days. And I was actually blown away by the quality of the education. You know, because when we went, we expect, because you told me that some of the kids that obviously had started could not read. So we were expecting the level to be pretty basic. <laughs> and I remember my children were teaching them and they're like, mommy, we don't know what to ask them. They know all the answers. <laughs> so my children were like thinking, and I was just really, really amazed and blown away by the quality. And, and I, I know that there's a huge difference um, from a year ago when the children came and now I can see the change uh, and it's, it's just amazing. I want to put that out there for the audience. The question I want to ask you, because you've taken us through the ministry as a whole, you've, you've come down and talked about the, the widow's program. You've talked about yes. the school and then other areas which the audience have heard, has, has heard. The vision is so huge. It's really big. So what do you do mm. when you look at the vision? Yeah. And feel overwhelmed. What do you do? <laughs> um, it happens. So, you know, it happens all the time. When I feel overwhelmed, I pray. Mm -hmm. and my, my type of prayer, for those listening to us there, it's not the normal prayer. I see people, they're shouting there. I sit down sometimes. I'll say, Father God, please, let's talk. Or I'm mm -hmm. overwhelmed. I'm yes. tired, I'm yes. discouraged. So yes. I spent time talking with God and telling him all of my struggles. Mm. Mm. Then sometimes I cry. Mm. I cry. Mm. I will just be wailing and crying because it's humongous. Mm. Sometimes I felt like letting go. But, but that thing God said to me in July 1990, it keeps coming back to me. So... I have stayed here because I know that that's where he has placed me. Mm -hmm. What has helped me is prayer, crying, talking with God and the rest. Mm -hmm. But another thing that has helped me is 
I know I'm doing my very best. So when the vision looks so massive, I just said, if he comes any moment from now, mm. he will see me at my duty post. Mm. It's not really how big human beings think mm. I should have done or would have done. Or mm. I think it is that he asked me to do it. And slowly, one step at a time, at a time myself and you and other team members were working towards that goal. Mm. So I relaxed. Yes. Mm. Yes. I just I just let go. Mm. Yeah, that's actually mm. that's that's a very good point. You know, you just do what you're mm. called to do. You don't look at the results. Yeah. You're just being obedient to what yeah. you were called to do. That's amazing. That's it. How do you handle areas in ministry that you may not have the gifting for? Obviously, there are areas like, you know, accounting. There are areas like, you know, I, I, I'm just, I don't, I can't think of them. But I know that you're one person and you don't have the gifts for everything. Do you have people you delegate to? What is that like? Is that a struggle for you to, to delegate? Or do you feel like you have to do everything? I'm curious because you see, obviously, I know you pretty well and... I know that you're always on the go. You're always on the go. You know, it's like, we have to do this. I'm going here. I'm going. How do you do it? I know you can't do it all. So talk to me about how you delegate. Okay. Um, specifically, that area of accounting is off me. It's been off me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever, um, whatever the ministry gets and spends, somebody is in charge of that. Okay. Because... Mm, somebody is in charge of that. Mine is to sign checks, and someone else countersigns that check anyway mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. it goes to the bank. Mm-hmm. So I, I practically removed the area. I also got a chartered accountant last year and asked him, you know, on um, to volunteer okay. to help us uh, put the ministry accounting, you know, in, in that way. So I don't have um problem about delegating. Mm-hmm. But like my father would say, two good heads are better than one, not just two heads. Yes. So exactly. I'll look for another good head if I'm going to um delegate. Because the ministry is huge. There are so many things I can't do. For instance, the medical mission is for doctors and nurses. So that one I just, you know, contact a doctor like our live viewers doctor, Dr. Nekunyu and our <laughs> anything I want to do on uh, anything medical, I will not think twice. I will just have to I need to talk to Doc, mm. you know. Yeah, and if it is something else entirely that needs a professional touch, I actually we go out of our way to pay for it. Mm. Mm. We go out of our way to pay for it. Like if they need a a business plan, maybe we're looking for funding and they say you need to do a business plan. We go out of our way to pay for it mm. when we get it. Yes. And yeah, uh, like when we wanted to empower 150 widows in Adia State through a training in agriculture in 2012, December, I contacted the Minister of Agriculture here in Omaha and we paid them. Mm. So sometimes if it's uh, something I need to learn, I will go for the training. And I will, I will still delegate it, but I will need to know how it works mm-hmm. to ensure the person I'm delegating to is getting it because I believe in excellence. Yes, I can attest, <laughs> I yeah. can attest to that. I can attest to that, which is why I'm so engaged with you because I know that working with you, you'll get it done. You know, you'll get it done and your passion is for excellence. So, um, yeah, I wanted to point that out. And, you know, to that point, you talked about delegating and your chartered accountant being a volunteer. So 
I want to move a little bit into uh, the fact that for the, for the listeners out there and just for people in general, there's a need, obviously, for volunteers because you don't have the funding yes. to pay everybody full time. Yeah. So we need people to yeah. be called, but we need the right people. I, mm. I, for one, know this because it's a struggle of mine. Um, people sometimes mm. look at the sheer need that exists. So they may want to help, but they may be thinking, what can I really do? What difference will it make? You know, so some are discouraged. Mm. It's like, okay, if I give $10 here, what will $10 really do? Or if I volunteer mm. one hour a month, what will that really do? What's the point? And because mm. of that, you know, we, we, I, I can speak for myself. In the past, I've looked at the sheer need of, mm. of just the need in the world. And I'm like, what can I really do? There's no point doing anything. What would you say mm. to people who feel they can only give a little, whether it's time or money or resources, mm. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And because of that little, they feel it's not worth giving. What would you say to them? <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, l- let me start by telling our listeners that it is an honor that God opened your heart and eyes to see any need at all. It's an honor mm. because some look, but they do not see. Mm. Because needs are seen through the eyes of the heart. Hmm. So it's, yeah, needs are seen through the eyes of the heart. So for anyone to see at all, the person is actually on the pathway that God wants him or her to be. Mm. Now, secondly, no one can no one person can solve all the problems in the world no one person mm. it is a collective responsibility so when we understand that it means that when i make my contribution and you make yours and another person makes his and, and or hers then the problem will be solved gradually mm. but then Anyone who is giving anything, time, money, clothes, whatever it is, they just need to be consistent with that little or much Mm. they are giving or doing Mm. to meet the need. Mm. It's just like um, if somebody is giving one hour a month, that means the person is giving 12 whole hours in a year. You know what it means? The person is actually giving a percentage of his life, his breath, mm. in a year. It's no small thing. Mm. And mm. you know that if somebody gives me one hour to teach those children English, my God, mm. those that don't know ABCD, they will learn it and they've learned it for life. So how mm. little is that? Mm. But then, yeah, I also want to say that those who have seen the need and they are doing little or much, they should look at it like the multi-level marketing. They need to commit to bringing in their friends to be part of it. Yes. So that the much they want to do, for instance, if one person is giving $100 per month, in a year he would have given $1,200. But what if he brings in nine of his friends who also commit Mm. to meeting same week at $100 a month, Mm. collectively, 10 of them are giving $12,000 mm, in a year. Mm, mm. And it is that person that brought them that is actually giving that. Mm. When you look at it, mm. yes, because mm. that's 12000 from 1000 You know, that means that if one person mm. was caring for five children, 10 of them, by giving $12,000, will be caring for 50 children. Yes. 
Yes. So yeah. there is nothing small in yes. any way. So using $100 yeah. as an example, because it could be 10, it could yeah. be 30, it could be whatever the amount, oh, but, but five, the math is still the dollar. same. Yes, yes. Mm, mm. Now, um, no, there is, there is nothing that is little. Everything given we consider a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now, one dollar may look small, but you know, we can feed two children with one dollar. Mm. can give them, yeah, if we cook it directly by ourselves, not, you know, we can give them uh, two children, one dollar will be enough to give them a meal, mm. you know, frugal. Now, um, <clears throat> my father told me a story two days ago, and, and it, you know, it, that reminds me. He said that a 75-year-old man fell in their church. The man was coming to talk with him as they were talking, the man collapsed. Luckily, he was there. So he beckoned on people. They came and they, since the man collapsed, they didn't know what it was. They went and brought bread and malt for less than $10, uh, for less than $1. Mm. That's about 350 naira. Mm-hmm. And the man gave it to the man. The man was revived and they found out that he hadn't eaten for three days. Wow. He hadn't eaten for three days. Now, nothing is small. Small mm. drops of water, they say, makes an ocean. Mm. Nothing is small. Wow. So wow. I want to encourage our listeners out there. One dollar will do a huge work. Two dollars, mm. five dollars, ten dollars, hundred, two hundred, one thousand, whatever it is. Mm. It will do a huge work. Mm. Yeah. So, so mm. on that note, I would like you to talk to us about how people can get involved. I know we have a website. Um, I know also yes. you're on Facebook. So talk to us about your platform yes. so people can get involved, learn a little bit more and have uh, an uh, opportunity to contribute however they want to do, do so. Okay. <laughs> um, um, every dollar, every naira, every pound counts. And even the youth clothes, the count, and the time, even the prayer, all of them are sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Now, it depends on what passion a person has. That's why it's, the ministry is multifaceted, but somebody can choose children, somebody can choose women, somebody can choose family or community. Let me start with what we have at hand, our Christmas outreach. Okay. For, yeah, for 5,000 Naira, which is about $15, a child can have a pack so that he and his family will not go hungry on Christmas Day. Hmm. So if somebody gives $15, a child can have a pack. If it is school, we, have, um, we still have about 90 children about that who still need sponsors. With $180 per annum, um, $10, $2, $5, somebody can actually keep sponsoring a child. Hmm. Whatever that is bought for tuition, it's sent directly to tuition. Mm. Those children, some of them, they are not growing tall. They are not growing. I found out that they, some of them lack protein because protein is expensive. Mm. So we started what we called our protein drive. Our protein drive is to give them one egg or a protein drink like milk and milo, you know, and with $2, one child can get have access to protein drives. Hmm. With $1, a child can also eat. With $10, a child can have three square meals and there will be a balance even. Hmm. Hmm. 
you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then we are, we are about to bring in children into our shelter as soon as the government gives us uh, the go-ahead. With $3 per day, we can care for a child. We will take care of the child's tuition and take care of the child's feeding and mm-hmm. shelter. Mm-hmm. If somebody gives us $3 per day, every day, one child is being cared with it. Mm-hmm. Then we have our training and development to empower these people so that they can also have access to funds. That will take 50,000 Naira for three months, which is about $150 for three months. Mm. The person is trained. Mm. Uh, and then if somebody says, okay, I want to set up a widow with $100, a widow can be set up mm. to mm. do her small business. Mm. Another person can support by sending us books, used clothes, new mm. clothes, food items, mm. milk especially, mm. rice. And all those kinds, school supplies, mm, biro, mm, eraser, mm. pencil, and so on. Mm. And we are looking to build our own school, our own children's home, and our clinic and training center. So somebody can decide to donate a block, $10, uh, right. a, a cement, a bag of cement for $10, right. or donate one block for $1, right. or give us a trip of sand for $35. Mm. A volunteer can come all the way from U.S. and say, okay, I will stay with you mm-hmm. and teach these children either English or God's word, mm-hmm. and we will appreciate it, mm. you know, okay. to come and work with us. Mm. We will appreciate it very much. We mm. actually need urgently English teachers, urgently. Okay. Those that will concentrate on teaching them just to read and write. Mm. We are, you know, we need mm. them because... That's the basics of, uh, that's the foundation of whatever we're doing with them. We also have what we call fundraising cards that we're printing. We call it the African Child Postcards. Mm -hmm. Somebody can keep them on his or her table in the office Mm -hmm. and and then somebody takes it for a dollar or ten dollars or five dollars. And then the money is paid into our account. For every card you sell to somebody, a child is being fed. Okay. Somebody can decide to do a, a yard sale for us once a year. Mm-hmm. We will appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Gather things, call your friends, mm-hmm. they buy them off. Mm-hmm. Or you ship us clothes and items, toys, mm-hmm. educational materials, mm-hmm. you know. Or mm-hmm. you come with your team to do medical mission or mm-hmm. just come with your team to do things with the children yes. during school uh, days or whatever. Yeah. And somebody can also be part of it by just praying with us yeah. daily. So I guess the point is that there are so many ways to get involved. But the main thing, though, is I know yes. all this information is on the website. So tell the audience how to access the website. Okay. Our website is www.lifebuildersafrica.org. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, our email is info at lifebuilders.org. Africa.org. Okay. Info. That's I N F O at lifebuildersafrica.org. Yes. yes. You're also on Facebook, I believe. Yes. Facebook is Life Builders Africa. Thank you, Destiny. This has been awesome. I know you could go on and on and on and on, but um, I think we've covered the main content. It's been a blessing to speak to you, and uh, thank you so much mm. for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to have you. You know, we'll keep working till the day he comes. 
Yes. God bless you so much. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. Please visit the website for show notes from today's episode. The link to the website is www.theebo.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Ebo Initiative and like my page on Facebook, The Ebo Initiative. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.